0: This is a Fubar Radio podcast. Go to FubarRadio.com for more details. Screen Talk with Dan Clark on Fubar Radio.
1: Hello and welcome to Screen Talk. Uh, What a show we have for you today. Uh, This uh, slightly unusual guest uh, today in that uh, normally we have uh, writers and directors and actors and comedians and stuff. We've got someone from the BBC who, uh, just because we've often... um, criticised uh, or, or uh, debated the state of comedy. Um, I feel I, I felt like I, I should get someone on from who has a history from um, commissioning stuff. Uh, so uh, we'll be chatting to him. It's, uh, we, um, I had a fascinating conversation, pre-recorded it. That's coming up in a bit. And of course with me, James. Hello, James
0: Gill. Hi, Dan. It's wonderful to see you again. Oh, thank you. You've returned to... Normal colouring. (laughs) Yes, that'll change soon because I'm going away soon. Um,
1: But let's kickstart the show. Uh, I wanted to do some summer themes today, and um, I was struggling, uh, uh, you know, because obviously it can't just be a summer theme. It has to be from a film or a TV show because that's the rule of these songs. And I picked uh, this is a cover of a song from the film Greece, which is kind of about summer because it was uh, they all just come back from their summer holiday. So really, I should have probably played this song in September but uh, this is by Angus and Julia Stone who are a brilliant Australian brother and sister band I was going to say team, uh, <laughs> a team. I'm going to see a team play tonight <laughs> uh, uh, so uh, this is a uh, really unusual but lovely cover from the film Grease you'll soon recognise which one it is <laughs> So that ended suddenly didn't it what was going on there um, that's that. Uh, sorry everyone that was a bit depressing wasn't it I thought it was quite a quirky cover but actually it was just
0: may, just may a I, bit miserable go on may I say that I loathe quirky covers do you I, with a passion like John Lewis will take a, an old song that was uh, may, perhaps it was ironic in the 80s or it's quite jaunty and they'll do a slow yeah. moody version and I just think it has to stop now uh, yep yeah. Uh, uh, so films. So the big talking point this week yeah. is the new Brent movie, which, yeah. which is out tomorrow. Ah, okay. I thought it was already out last week. I but think it's yeah. out on the nineteenth. Yeah. Okay. So and? I, I have seen it, and and it, it is good. I would recommend that you go see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some of the re- some reviews have been positive. Some reviews have been less. positive. Than positive, if you're a fan of Gervais and if you're a fan of The Office, then I think you'll enjoy it a great deal. There are lots of very funny set pieces. It's wonderful seeing David Brent back, Uh, one of the stars of Fubar. Doc Brown slash Ben Smith Mm -hmm. is is wonderful in it. He's absolutely tremendous. And the film, I'm I'm not spoiling anything. You would like to see more from both uh, Brent and from uh, Doc Brown's character, right? However, <laughs> <laughs> it's tricky. Now, the elephant in the room is, uh, you know, we're all, you and I are huge comedy fans, and a lot of our friends are huge comedy fans. And big fans of The Office. And big fans of The Office. Yeah. Uh, and big fans of Gervais. I've got, I've got the, the, the the DVDs and ticket stubs to, to back it up. I, I would just, I would love to, if there was a way of Gervais and Merchants getting back together. Mm-hmm. Can we make that happen? So I you know people ha- I think I have actually read reviews where they've
1: said uh, they've mentioned the fact that Gervais and Merchant don't work together anymore um, nobody seems to know why it's a question I wish I'd asked him, Stephen Merchant myself
0: when I interviewed him uh, it, but it just it, for some weird reason it just didn't now, now obviously cross my mind in, in, in life I mean you know who knows in life obviously we all have People we used to be tight with, and such are the vagaries of life that you're no longer tight with them. So, so maybe it's out of the question. Maybe it will be like you know, after the Beatles had fallen out, there's no way that they would have got back together. So I'm not, I'm not saying that they've fallen out because I don't know, but maybe they, they just feel like they've they've moved yeah, yeah, on. They've you know, there's no animosity. Things. It's just, it's just one of those things.
1: But it is a shame for. Uh, I mean, I, by the way, I'm saying this and I've not seen the film, but judging by your review, and I feel like it's going to be a good film, but neither amazing nor nor bad so, or so, whatever. But so, I,
0: mean, sh- I mean, I wrote maybe a piece it could short- have
1: been. Amazing. Yes. Had it been the team that actually did the original,
0: so, so I totally I stand know. by what I've written in this week shortlist. I've a nice two-page spread in the magazine there, yep. uh, and it's it's a, a, a positive write-up, and I absolutely stand by that. Um, all I'm saying is is that uh, it, it's so tricky, isn't it? It's so tricky because uh, I like having a comedy career. <laughs> uh, all I'm saying is if if you one wonders what it may have been like had we had. Gervais and Merchant together yeah. you know writing and directing that together it's fair enough so I
1: don't think it's a bad thing to say that maybe those two are you know even so, better together than they are apart that's, so, so that's I, so what I we're say saying. that
0: I say that with love in my heart and I say that as a man who is a fan of both Gervais and merchant uh, individually and a fan of them together I'm I'm merely saying wouldn't it be wonderful if we could get those two together and especially with the uh, with that character in particular because they did it because it's not like
1: it's Derek that is very much Gervais's
0: thing it was their that's thing. Right, that was there, they, but it was their thing together you know yeah. the office was very much their show yeah yeah. I know that Brent was is obviously Gervais's character um, but wouldn't it be wonderful if perhaps the next time he's on the big screen you know we could uh, yeah. love can build a bridge
1: I always feel this and again like I really enjoyed the Alan Partridge film on a you know uh, on a face value level I, I really when I went to see it I enjoyed it but there was a part of me that was like do you know what part of me would have rather a third series of I'm Alan Partridge than a movie do you know
0: what I mean? Like- I, I would disagree because I thought the movie was better than season two of Iron Man and Partridge. Oh, well, then I think you're off your face there. I th- <laughs> the second series of Iron Man and Partridge is my least favourite Partridge. I see. I think that gets such bad. Like, I, 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 no, at the time I didn't. I didn't
1: think no, it was at amazing. at the time and people. Then I, I rewatched it, and I don't I think it's I've rewatched it. I think it's good. I'm out there. I'm saying uh, it. I'm uh, out and proud. First season of Iron Man Partridge. Second series of Iron Man Partridge is good.
0: I'm not saying it's not good. It's just not great. I, mate, think, no, look, it's great. I think it's mm, actually great. Knowing me, knowing you, now that is some sweet, Why are you sweet gold. That we, is golden. Well,
1: That's just you've just plucked something that we all agree on. <laughs> But Let's finish this argument. Well,
0: I'm building up to this, though. I'm, I'm, so, listen, I'm pointing skywards. Right up here, knowing me, knowing you. Right up here, season one of Iron Man and Partridge. Right up here, Mid-Morning Matters. We get yeah, the Gibbons really brothers on board. Yeah, it's yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Unfortunately, my point is this. The second series of Iron Man and Partridge is, is, in my opinion... I mean, I'm, Coogan's one of my... He's one of all of our heroes. But I'm just saying the second series of Iron Man and Partridge, I would not put in the same bracket as... Any of those others? Mm, I'm, I, I feel like I need to rewatch it again <laughs> after you've said that. But, uh, I mean th- I mean, I don't know the Gibbons brothers but what they've done to Partridge is wonderful because yeah, Morning Matters I mean that most recent series awesome. oh my goodness it's if you're so a fan funny. of Partridge and you've not seen it please it's so good oh. the, the weird thing is is I think it's almost
1: unprecedented for a comedian to find to lose two writers and find two new ones that understand and write for the character just as well as the Absolutely. You know, I mean and how do you replace like Bainham and, and Ian Uchi they must have just so
0: it's never going to happen, and then somehow they've got these people that just get it. You've lost Messi and Maradona, and you've brought in these two relative. I mean, you again, say that, no, I have no idea what you're saying. Well, right you've, now. you've lost two <laughs> of the, you've lost two of the greats, and you've and you've somehow unearthed these two yeah, unknown yeah. legends. Because what they've done with Partridge yeah, yeah, is great. Good. So I mean, maybe you know what? Maybe I mean, but, I mean to be fair, I know but, uh, Tom Basden and uh, and Ben Smith helps with with this. Um, I think uh, I want to go. I'm going to go and see it next time
1: you sure. see it because um, I've really, really looked for. Uh, I've, I've seen the songs that I know aren't all featured in the film, and uh, I've, they really made me laugh. The, the songs, same. and I, I like the song. I'm going to play one in
0: a bit, but um, we'll get to that in a minute. What else have you got for us? It's a lo- by the way. It's a lo- I'm not spoiling anything. It's a lovely ending to the the Brent movie. A lovely, e- a lovely ending. To the movie the or movie to the character? A, the movie has a lovely or? ending. Okay. I'm not. I'm not saying anything else. That's, right. It's just. It's very nice. Okay, so then, uh, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley are making another movie together, and they are making a comedy version of Holmes and Watson. Cool. And now I think that's wonderful. So Sasha Baron Cohen was attached to this, and I am speculating that perhaps the underperformance of Grimsby may mean that he's no longer. Associated, perhaps that is the reason because now Farrell and Riley are going to make it. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited about that because obviously Will Farrell and John C. Riley are both wonderful. However, somebody who perhaps doesn't always get the credit they deserve is John C. Riley. Just the past few days I watched uh, War Card, the Dewey mm-hmm. Cox story. Now, this is a man who can make very silly comedies but can also break your heart in a film like Magnolia. Yeah. I mean, the, there, are, there aren't many people, dead or alive, who are able to. Mix mix it up quite like John C. Riley. Well, dead people especially can't do mix that up. I mean, with Ouija balls <laughs> and strings, you'd be you, amazed what you can do.
1: Uh, have you seen the Oscar um, yes. song?
0: Yes. I he, was in both boogie and Talladega Nights. That's the one. You very have much. seen it, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I may, may have seen it once or twice.
1: <laughs> That's so good. And and the, the weird thing is, is he was he's absolutely spot on. You know, he's. Absolutely, got that career, uh, you know, nailed.
0: Who, who else? Who else can do that? Being, being, uh, you know, something like Step Brothers, and then being, say, Boogie Nights. I mean, he didn't do quite. And, and also, be completely believable. You to- when he's when he's doing crazy slapstick, you totally buy it. When he's ripping your heart apart in Magnolia, I'm, you're totally on board. I'm the, John C. Riley, I love right. you.
1: <laughs> he's. Uh, uh, yeah, there's, there, there aren't many people. Jo- uh, Robin Williams could do it, although he didn't do films quite as um, sort of indie as uh, uh, Magnolia. But he had that ability I mean, to do J-Josie it. I
0: Riley recently cropped up in a European art house film, Tale of Tales, mm-hmm. and again, you watch him on the screen, you're thinking, Riley, you son <laughs> of a gun, you've done it <laughs> and again. And he sings, and he sings, and he sings uh, yeah.
1: also. Uh, so the Sherlock Holmes film is it going to be like uh, Without a Clue? Do you remember that? The Michael Caine. I've never ben seen it. Michael Caine, Ben Kingsley as Holmes and Watson from the 80s, from Caine's very long run of, um, let's say, not amazing movies. Uh, well, and it's a gration. He said yes to everything, didn't yeah, yeah. he? Yeah, yeah. And we've already had about three guilty pleasures from the Caine 80s <laughs> era on this, this series. But the thing is, is uh, it's a brilliant idea. It's just probably not a great film. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. But the idea is that it's uh, Caine is... Um, Sherlock Holmes but he's a character that they've invented and uh, Watson Ben Kingsley's the real Ah, mastermind very nice Uh, it's a good so you could just remake that and you could put definitely put uh, the Farrell idea is beautiful and, isn't it Yeah
0: Ferrell and uh, Riley in, in that exact concept Would be amazing uh, De Niro and Scorsese Are back together For the first time Since Casino I mean that sentence alone Will yeah. have film fans Quivering with delight yes. uh, And the film is called The Irishman And uh, if it didn't get Even more awesome Al Pacino Is also in it Now the thing with De Niro and Pacino is that they are two of the greatest actors of all time. However, obviously, some of their output, I don't think I'm being ungallant, in the past 10 or 15 years has been, shall we, uh, shall we say, a little patchy. Mm-hmm. So I just think that in the hands of the master Scorsese, who is banging out some career... Ba- I mean, Wolf of Wall Street yeah. is a classic. Yeah. So I personally think it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, so the film is about a an Irish... Uh, Mob Enforcer called Frank the Irishman Sheeran and it's based on a book called I Heard You Paint Houses which is allegedly the first thing that Jimmy Hoffa ever said to the Irishman and painting houses what that means is killing people i.e. popping them in the back of the head and the blood spatters against the wall so that's where the title comes from it's a really sort of extravagant way to paint a house it'd take ages (laughs) and what a bugger to clean up Uh, so Pacino is playing Jimmy Hoffa and Robert De Niro is playing Frank the Irishman Sheeran so over the course of some recorded interviews I believe the Irishman allegedly I'm going to be careful allegedly confessed to taking out 25 hits and that was just The the Living Room yes (laughs) for both um, the mob and for Mr. Hoffer. So that that has the making of And they uh, I mean are they going to need prosthetics because they're both sort so of quite old now. So they might use um they might use special effects to make them look younger for earlier scenes. Oh okay. And then bring it up to them as they are now. Yeah, yeah. But they both have such wonderful faces. Oh man. I, I love mean, them both. What's That's... your favorite Pacino? Oh, I mean, personally, I'm a I'd, I'd go Pacino over De Niro. I think you're uh, I mean, I I can I I respect
1: that argument I don't know Oh man I respect but, but then, that argument But then I watch a film Like Midnight
0: Run Oh, oh I mean <laughs> <I> Oh <don't know. laughs> So what you going to ask me What is my favourite uh, Pacino Favourite Pacino um, Dog Day Afternoon Great choice um, Great choice Yeah I think it's got to be Dog Day Afternoon just, I mean, what those two have given us as yeah. film fans. I'd, I'd probably go Glenn, Gary, Glenross. That is very exciting because I
1: agree with you that Scorsese, you know, has just proven that he's still got that amazing sort of punk spirit to make a film as visceral and exciting and funny as well as Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, if he can get that that same
0: energy again with those two, I mean, it will be amazing. Yeah, to answer my earlier question about who could who can do what John C. Riley can. Jonah Hill has has got that in his locker I mean two time Academy Award nominee that's true that's true also Although, no stranger to.
1: I don't know if he's done anything quite like he's he's brilliant I, I think he's uh, excellent and can do drama but I don't know if he's quite yet done anything as serious as some of Riley's serious films I agree I would I love agree. to see him do yeah. s- some more really dramatic what a time stuff. to be alive I know God He's also There's that John Candy thing And not just because of the weight thing But John Candy Had a sort of physicality And a likability That was suited for comedy But in his later career He was starting to do Some slightly darker roles And he never
0: really got the chance To Cow he could have been that. a great serious actor. Yeah. And I'm thinking of the scene in Planes, Trains and Automobiles where he, he says to Martin, You don't like me, well I like me, my wife likes me. Yeah. I mean that scene, if that doesn't make a glass eye weep <laughs> What? That's I put I mean that's that's that does that mean? I don't know. That is Oh what, because glass eyes don't normally cry. Yes. Right? Oh, okay. But I mean, that's a, that's, that's a Hall of Fame movie scene, yeah.
1: Matt. Yeah, that is. That's a blinder. Listen, we're massively overrunning, aren't we? But that's fine. <laughs> we can probably cut out some of the um, sort of uh, the gaps like that one. Um, <laughs> where was I? I was going to say to you... Oh,
0: uh, guilty pleasure. I feel like we
1: are... Do you know what this session feels like today? Yes. It does feel like it's a school holiday and... The teacher's not here. The teacher's not here, so we're slightly just rambling and saying
0: whatever comes to our mind we'll edit, edit it down to a tight yeah. 90 minutes yeah I think a tight 5 <laughs>
1: um,
0: so going back yes we
1: didn't get our guest today to ask uh, to, to choose a guilty pleasure so I thought James you've been on the show many many times and I've never asked you what your guilty pleasure is never so what is your guilty pleasure, James?
0: So I'm Gill. going to go. My, my only fear is that this is such a guilty pleasure that maybe it's maybe it's now regarded as a, a great movie. So the film is Adam Sandler's Happy Gilmore, and this is a film that was not well received when it came out. It did not get great reviews. Is Gilmore the golf one? Gilmore no. is the golf yeah, one. Yeah. And I think I, I swear to God that's in my top ten favorite films of all time. And I, I own it. Whenever it's on television, I that stupid thing where you've got the DVD on the shelf but for, for whatever reason it's come on telly oh I'll, I'll watch it it's the end even oh, yeah. though it's midnight um, I, I think it's spectacular and I think Sandler is perfect in it and not just Sandler but the supporting cast uh, Christopher MacDonald why oh, did he I not love why such did a he not go accent. on to have a, 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 a note perfect career well because Bruce sh- too obviously yes. but he is amazing in Thelma and Louise Christopher MacDonald never that, seen
1: Thelma and Louise what yeah. get out yeah. and then come really quickly so that we Thanks can carry me. on. <laughs> it's still in Louise. It's amazing. It? It's, I mean, I haven't seen it for 15 years. How <laughs> so. I haven't seen I it? I haven't seen it either. <laughs> but it's amazing. No,
0: it's brilliant and it, watch it if for only one reason, Christopher McDonald. He's so, so good in so it. He shoots a McGavin, the villain, and yeah. he he owns that performance. I mean, the bit where he says, get back to your shanties, uh, he is, I mean, the bit with the, uh, listen to what I say, or you'll pay, and they do the rhyming thing. I mean, the, the thing, for me, for, for a film to be one of my favourites, it has to have classic scenes in But this in sounds it. to and me... Gilmore is jam-packed with classic this, scenes. This just doesn't sound like a guilty pleasure to me. It just sounds like you out and out love it. And the- but, I, but the reason why it's a guilty pleasure is because, let's face it, most people, especially most people we know, don't, I mean, most of our comedy mates do not like Adam Sandler. I, I don't just like Adam Sandler. I feel him in my soul. <laughs> I worship Adam. I adore Adam Sandler. I, for me, he's up there with Veda. That's how much I love Adam Sandler. And the, the, he's impersonated him as well. So, but the, the thing
1: is... is has, yeah. that you cannot then... Surely it's not a guilty pleasure to you or is it just that little voice in your head that goes, I know other people don't it's, like it's this? It's a guilty
0: pleasure purely because a lot of people detest Adam Sandler and, I, and therefore I think that is a legit That's, that's quite extreme detest No it's not a lot of people really really, really dislike yeah. him don't they I've, I've Mate, Just check I've, our Facebook feeds
1: Okay I've always been on the fence with him some of his films I like some I you know really don't like <laughs> but that's but uh, detest seems like I I suppose What's the one where he had the weird voice all the way through it? Every
0: film he's ever made.
1: <laughs> no, there was one. The Waterboy, I think oh, it was. Oh, right. Yeah, brilliant. No, yeah, no, no. Oh, no. yeah. That was Feel good. A, that was too irritating. The, the, where the backlash but
0: really started. The Wedding Singer. That's great, isn't it? The Wedding is one of the great romantic yeah. comedies of all time. It's a brilliant one. Um, <laughs> Little so, Nicky was where the backlash started.
1: But, do you, but surely, if you love Adam Sandler this much, can you differentiate between a guilty pleasure and a pleasure of his movies, I'm talking about? are there
0: ones where you go no that's
1: not a guilty pleasure
0: it's just a brilliant film well maybe or, maybe, maybe that's what I'm saying about Happy Gilmore but the thing is is that no one else you don't you've got no one to share this with have you that's what it is uh, like some of my friends love that movie yeah. but I appreciate that say critics or a lot of comedians or you know film a lot of film fans do not like Adam Sandler yeah but I, I feel like a not a lone voice because I know there's a few of us out there but I I, I, lo- I still love the guy what I like about it, we've spoken about. So do you about not think so, because uh, I was wor- when I when I texted you and said I'm going to go for Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Even I was second guessing myself. So, th- be sure it's a guilty pleasure, if it was critically mauled or if, if people I suppose so. If people don't like Adam Sandler, that's what makes it a guilty pleasure, isn't it? But I'm prepared to admit I'm wrong.
1: Yeah, I suppose it might be saying that your favorite, like saying your favorite film is Norbit. You know, we all agree Eddie Murphy's amazing, but Norbit's not exactly
0: a well respected movie. The difference there, though, is that I think Sandler fans would say that Happy Gilmore might be his best ever film. Okay some might say Norbit is <laughs> but I'm talking I'm talking about Sandler in the same way that other people talk about Capra <laughs> you yeah, yeah actually well, he not? made a Mr. Deeds remake himself well look
1: I, um, I'm not gonna I I don't know how to respond to this one this is an interesting one
0: because it really does sit in the grey area of what a guilty I, I pleasure mean, is for example I'm, this is more Sandler Funny People the film he made with Apatow mm-hmm. I mean he, up until the overtly rom-com ending I, I seriously believe that was a, an Oscar-nominated, worthy performance. Wow, Not saying so he's winning, quite... but he's stunning in that film. Wow. In Funny People, for the first two thirds of Funny People, he's that's quite, glorious. That's quite, that is a bold comment. That is they, they sort of they sort of fluff it with the airport ending, um, but he's like, I think he's tremendous. I would love to. I liked Funny People. That was one that people had a bit of an issue with. Anyway, we have
1: spoken way too much. James, sorry, I've got to wrap it up. I've got to wrap (laughs) it up. I actually have to shut shut you up. This is what happens when I say, listen, we're going to do a bit longer today. You give him an inch and he takes an inch and a half. I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, James, thank you for coming in today. Thank you, my friend. Um, I'll uh, no doubt see you very, very soon. Uh, Probably when we finish this podcast. Um, (laughs) uh, Just before we bring on our... uh, guest today, Mr. Chris Sussman, we uh, are going to play, we've mentioned uh, Brent the movie, which I'm actually very excited to see, Um, we'll discuss James whether, how I feel about it, but uh, this is Free Love Freeway, which I don't know, does it feature in the film, Free Love Freeway? I know he's done a, he's done a full band version, which I think he's going to release an album soon, but I saw, they're all new songs, yeah, there's a a video for this that he's done, um, and uh, anyway, I think it's brilliant, so. Radio. Each week we chat to people who work in TV and film, writers, directors, actors and comedians. We've had critics and producers, but today is a first. We have someone from the other side the dark side some might say uh he's been a commissioning editor at the bbc for several years and now is currently head of comedy at bbc studios is that that's correct isn't that's it that's right yeah that's well i'll ask you what that means in a set but uh, i i almost worked with this guy back in 2010 then i did actually work with him when he joined the bbc and he what, became my what did we work on <laughs> uh how not to live your life I didn't work on that. You did.
2: You did the uh, Christmas special. No, I didn't. I came, I came to see it because I really liked you, it. Well, you gave
1: never, us some notes. I, did I?
2: Yeah. I was never the exec on it.
1: All oh, right. Well, you gave I'm, us some notes. I'm glad so I maybe... gave some notes anyway. <laughs> okay. So you weren't officially. So that now we get a taste of the kind of... Uh, the chaos within the, the broadcasting the chaos. industry. Exactly. Uh, maybe I did wonder why you kept referring to the uh, Indian lead guy. You know... <laughs> um and since then our relationship has mostly involved him saying no to me or bumping into each other in the street you're and welcome embracing each other for a little bit too long a bit too long a hug uh the man in question of course is mr christopher stephen sussman no i don't know what's your yeah, middle name it's two-thirds true a uh, henry henry oh good strong name classic name that's an
2: interesting opening question
1: yeah so
2: uh chris hello hello So what is BBC Studios? So BBC Studios is the new name for BBC Mm in-house, essentially. So it's in-house production is what I run, the comedy side.
1: So it used to just be BBC comedy, but now is... Does that mean you can
2: outsource like an indie or...? Uh, No, we don't commission. So commissioning all goes through BBC commissioning. All right. We're just the production side of things. Ah, So we're like a big comedy producing indie, basically.
1: So, you're not commissioning stuff anymore? No,
2: sorry. It's you're just actually now make, ruined yeah, your entire okay, broadcast. right. I'll see you later. I was uh, <laughs> only
1: here because at the end, uh, this is a big rue because at the really end, sorry. I was going to pass you a script. Oh, uh, I haven't um, the end gag. But it,
2: I, I, I wasn't commissioning for five years, though, so hopefully I can shine a little bit of light on, on, on my that and what goes on there. Yeah. yeah. The reason I thought
1: of inviting you on the show, and probably now I realize the reason you're willing to come on is because maybe <laughs> you're not going to it's you're not going to compromise I'm, your position I'm happy to as be much. a figure
2: of hatred no 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 <laughs> <but> I mean <laughs> commissioning if, if you, you
1: were still a commissioner would you have been yeah. as happy to do this interview yeah totally yeah? I, oh, cool. I
2: sat on panels and I did a, other podcasts and talked yeah, yeah. and stuff yeah great I have no shame it's fine um,
1: what, what, what is I think a lot of people that want to get into comedy or aren't as uh, experienced in it don't maybe don't quite know what, com- what commissioning yeah. involves what does it involve
2: well, essentially, it is deciding what comedy shows go on the channels. Sounds so, like you have a lot of power. Uh, <laughs> or you, <or> you have. <laughs> well, you, you, I mean, ultimately, yeah. E- so so each show that gets made is jointly like greenlit by both the head of a channel, so the head of BBC One, the head of BBC Two, and the head of comedy commissioning, which is Shane Allen. Uh, so ultimately, they, I guess, have the sort of the final say uh but they have you know a fairly sort of broad commissioning team and the channel have a have a team and and it's always sort of group decisions yeah. within those things um do you it- do you, I've got a more articulate way of saying what, okay, you, do, what do it, com- yeah. a commissioning editor
1: does. He says no to a lot of people well, on a true. daily basis. Well,
2: it's true. It's it, you. You. You have to turn How do down you like do ninety-nine Because I love it. No, you <laughs> so love you breaking t- people's hearts. <laughs> yeah, just look the look in their right. eye. No, you, you turn down ninety nine percent of projects. It's really hard. It's the worst part of the job. Um, you know, what? I. I um, I sort of used to write stuff and I've, I've worked in... So I've been a writer, worked in the production side. So I sort of know exactly that's what it's like, what like to I be on, on the end first, of that. Yeah, so so that's yeah. right, yeah. And when I was at Rough Cut. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I know what that's like. So I totally empathise. But the fact is, you know, you, you need... As, as As unpopular as they're going to be, and they're always going to be unpopular because, as I said there's you know there's a limited number of slots, and there's a huge huge amount of people wanting to make shows, and all thinking that their shows are obviously better than the shows that yeah, are on yeah, t v yeah. um so <laughs> there's always going to be an element of unpopularity to that job, but you also need it you need some sort of you know mechanism whereby someone has to say no to all the stuff because because you can't make it all. So yeah. th- there needs to be that. It's thing, a shame we uh, can't make it all. It'd be nice, it? wouldn't it? Yeah. Just to make if only there was more money. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's definitely the time. It's just not like I yeah, think there's, there's a there's, there's a big uh, there's a lot of slots between about one a.m. and six a.m. that I think we could fill. Well, they put some of our comedies there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A couple. Uh, so um, saying no is obviously something that you've had to. By the way, just quickly, when yeah. you first went into the job, were you prepared yeah. for how much? of a, a part of that job that saying no to people is or did that yeah. really surprise no, you
2: no I knew um, that obviously that job was partly about that I mean I should say that is that is just one aspect of yeah. the job and it is a you know I did I, no, I did it'd be weird if that's the <laughs> just, only we need someone just to say no, no to people what, what a job description okay. yeah and I, you know I, like, I did it for five years and I properly loved it and I think I'll look back at it as one, one of the you know best things I've ever done um because it's it's a really brilliant fun creative rewarding thing to do you work with really closely with scripts you work with directors you work with producers you get to meet and work with the, you know the best comic talent in the country mm-hmm. um, you're right at the coalface in terms of you know making decisions and and being involved with stuff that actually gets made. It's really frustrating being a producer because you can spend ages working on something not knowing whether it's actually going to yeah. get made and obviously being at, um, you know, the mercy of someone else's decision. And then when you put the person making that decision, it, most of the stuff that I would work on uh, it w- would be because you're making it. Because yeah. you, you. there's two aspects of the job. There's the development side, but then you're also effectively the exec producer on behalf of the BBC. Um, so it was, a, it was a really brilliant job. You've just sort of
1: described and hit hit on the thing I hate the most about the industry not like yeah. any not the BB, not a channel or anything yeah. in particular but just the business is development and because now it's becoming more and more common to spec scripts or do a lot of work or even shoot a taster tape before yeah. you get a commission yeah the you just you just can't write in the same frame of mind when you're writing to get something made as opposed to when you've already had the commission and now you're writing because you know it will get made. Yeah, There's a completely different mindset because you just tend to try and second guess people more when you're writing to get it commissioned.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. So I get why you're saying that's quite a nice thing to know that there is a certain amount of guarantee of of well exactly being on when you when you works. you know
2: when you've when you're when you've got something commissioned that's. But the best moment is when you get to to say yes to someone, yeah. um, And you've got something commissioned, you know it's going to get made, and then you go through the process of you work up the rest of the scripts and giving notes, knowing that it's going to get made, and you cast it, and you attach the director, and you know, you, then you have the edits, etc. Yeah, that's definitely the joy of the of the job.
1: I imagine also that it's quite fun that, uh, if you've got slight ADD like I do. That rather than being uh, completely involved in one show, sort of, you know, going from one show and then nipping off to see how another show's getting on must be quite nice you know like just before you get bored you move on yeah. to the next show yeah.
2: well it's 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 and i think that's that was the joy of doing that job at the bbc you've got you know four channels that you make stuff for uh, incredibly broad range of stuff you know across the BBC comedy where you've got Mrs Brown's boys at one end of the spectrum and something like inside number nine at the other end of the spectrum mm. and everything in between so yeah a, a, apart from you know avoiding boredom you just get to I guess stretch your your brain and and the challenge of, of working on lots of different types of shows with lots of different types of tone and lots of different talent
1: because you're uh, working for a company and you get assigned to certain or you must have done how do yeah. you how do you work how do you stay enthusiastic when you get assigned a show that isn't yeah that, i mean your- that was
2: that was actually the hardest thing i think is when you start you inherit a slate, so I took over from from someone else who was commissioner previously, and you're sort of looking after all the shows that they were looking after, and inevitably you know some of them I loved, and then some of them inevitably you think, well, that's not really my cup of tea and then what happens over the course of of your time there is the nature of that slate changes and, and I guess reflects your tastes and your mm. um, sense of humor and so I genuinely you know when I left, I look at all, all the shows that I was looking after. Um, like people just do nothing and cuckoo and mum and flea bag, um, and some other stuff it, 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 I probably can't say cause I don't you know if it's been announced. Yet.
1: Named all the uh, well received, uh, critically acclaimed ones,
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, but then they're, they're all the shows that I genuinely I look at my slate and I'm really proud of it, and I think yeah. I love all of those shows, and obviously, you know, there were there were four different commissioners so they would all have slates that looked very different from mine and had different types of shows but but in answer to your question, I guess you—it you, just happens naturally. You know, you you end up championing the shows that you like, and the yeah, shows yeah. that you don't like just fall away. So by the end of it, you know, after a while, you you love all the shows that you look after. So you don't do, have to have deal you, with that.
1: Have you ever commissioned a show that you don't necessarily like, but you just know it's got no, it's got no. potential I, as for a certain audience? Or something. No, I think
2: that's really hard to do. I think you cut—it's that second guessing thing you were talking about. I think the only way to do that job, and I think actually the only way to do it. In any aspect of television whether you're you know an indie producer whether you're a writer is to is to do the stuff that you really love I think if you try and second guess that's when you end up with sort of uh, you know generic stuff that, that no one really wants um, no genuinely I I only really sort of champion the stuff that I really liked obviously you, you, you have a think about whether you think it's that there's an appetite for it whether there's mm-hmm. going to be an audience for it and, and you hope that you're your sense of humour will chime with a lot of other people's sense of humour otherwise you know you're probably in, in the wrong role
1: I've, uh, I'm have i a huge uh, supporter and lover of the BBC uh, I think you know it's, it's been amazing for so many years and gets a hard time yeah Um, One thing I have sometimes, and maybe this isn't just a specific BBC thing, maybe it's just the industry, but sometimes I do get a bit frustrated at the kind of um, pale imitation thing that happens when something is a hit, and then afterwards you get a slew of things trying to copy that thing, or putting names in shows, when almost always, like I'll give you some examples, after The Office there was a... Trend of nuanced awkward comedy, and after the Gavin and Stacey, then suddenly yeah. it was we want warm regional comedy, yeah. Mrs Brown's Boys, you know, broad falling over comedy, or yeah. you know, and then. But every time it, the big, the real big shows that come out of the gate are the surprises. Are the surprises
2: uh, absolutely? So A- why do people absolutely. still
1: try and copy something when something? I,
2: I, d- I don't think it. Uh, You know, maybe some people do, but when I was there, I don't think there was ever a conversation where it was like, oh, we really like The Office. Let's try and find something else like The Office. It was never... No one sets out to do something like that. genuinely never heard that? No, I mean, people people pitch that. Obviously, people pitch like... I mean, you know, the the People people Just Do Nothing was originally pitched by Ash as as The Office with hoodies. And that was pitched sort of tongue-in-cheek because he made The Office. But there was a truth in that, in that those guys were massively inspired by you know Ricky and yeah. and the office and they wanted to do their own sort of spin on that. So, well, so, that's, part, so that's
1: like 15 years after the office, so I think it's like, it's not like we're just yeah. trying to like copy uh, that was a hit. So I think sometimes having a it such and such means yeah. such and such is a really good thing to that, have. That, that's but. a
2: thing that people pitch that I don't I don't think that necessarily means people commission it because yeah. they think oh we want something like every, everyone wants to find the next big hit and yeah. um, you know people in commissioning is, as much as people might think otherwise. They're not stupid, you know. Yeah. They, they, they know that the things that come along, the real successes, are surprises. You know, no one predicted the office in the same way that no one predicted Mrs. Brown's boys. Yeah. Those, are, But they're, they're, they're very hard to... Um, just magic out of thin air. And it's not like people are turning down or, or consciously turning down shows like that every day. The truth is, those things, those really special things, are quite rare and they come yeah. along, you know, only every few years. Um, and what, what does it take to.
1: Um, I mean, obviously, you can't manufacture a surprise hit. No. Otherwise, <laughs> well, you know, it's, it yeah. speaks for itself. But what does it take to allow that to happen maybe more often or is there's a certain amount of trust. I mean, money yeah. is always going to be an issue, isn't it? Because the more money you've got, the more you can risk lose trying things. But yeah. is there a way of just sort of encouraging, I don't know, like, the,
2: well, by it's hard, always it's, hard to, it's to put it's hard a because name like in something you, feels like you're yeah, then no, taking I, I, a I, risk. I, or, I, I, I agree with that. I think the channels are sometimes too guilty of saying, let's put a big name in things. And I always argue, look at the last 15 years, what are the big, big comedy hits? And the ones I would name would be, the Office, Mrs Brown's Boys, The in-betweeners, Gavin and Stacey, Miranda, um, Outnumbered—none uh, of those had anyone really yeah. of, of that you know that people would describe as massive BBC One stars. The, uh, the youngest the,
1: the, one in Outnumbered was huge. before oh, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> she,
2: she was huge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so, so again, yeah. So, so may, maybe the channels are a bit guilty of doing that sometimes. But again, you know. The office happened, and Mrs Brown's Boys happened, and the in between stuff. So people do take a risk yeah. on stuff. I think it. I think it's about no one can second second guess what is going to be a hit and what's not. No one knew that Gavin and Stacey were going to be a runaway hit. No one knew that Mrs Brown's Boys were going to be a runaway hit. If they did, you know, you just commission those sorts of shows all the time. Well, yeah. So it's it's just a bunch of people ultimately acting on their instincts, I guess, and acting on experience and trying to make decisions about what they think people are going to like. It's sort of no more complicated than that, really. That's the job of people who work in comedy, producers and commissioners and and everyone involved, is to try and use their expertise and their experience to try and create something. And so, you know, for instance, Stephen McCrum, who spotted Brendan O'Carroll and and you know he he was huge on on the circuit but Stephen's the one that said you know what this is something that could really translate to TV he obviously used the, the you know experience and knowledge that he had to try and shape that into into a TV thing There's some foresight isn't there exactly there's a bit of that foresight
1: was, I mean that was that was really some I remember working here at the BBC when that show had just finished yeah. recording yeah and everyone being like well who knows what way this is going to go
2: it's it, a man in as it, a woman it, it, and it's it's a very unique phenomenon and you yeah. know you know the, the tv industry in general is incredibly dismissive of it and incredibly snooty of it and yet it goes out and smashes the ratings yeah. and at christmas it gets more than downton abbey and more than doctor who and more than sherlock all these shows that are acclaimed as as being you know massive hits and I massively would, loved.
1: i would argue it sort of represents weirdly this st- I know this sounds odd, but it's almost like the comedy version of Brexit in that people uh, people are a bit, there's, a, there's a, a minority who are a bit snooty and live in certain parts of the country that are a bit like yeah. sneering at stuff. And then something like that happens and you go, oh, hang on. Yeah. There's you know there's millions and millions of people out there there's
2: certainly a disconnect between people in the in in london in in the tv industry and what they might view of mrs brown's boys and and the millions and millions of people that watch it and laugh out loud you know cry with laughter if you look at some of the stuff on twitter
1: it feels to me that one of the things that happens in this country maybe more than america is that there's a pendulum swing so that when one type of comedy is more popular. We make a bit more of that type, not not across the board, but sort of more often than not. And then when
2: uh... I, I, I don't, I don't think that's true. And I think if you look at the uh, all the shows on all the channels at the moment, you will find more variety of comedy than there's ever been. I don't think it's true that everyone's now making this type of show. Or everyone's making that type of show. I, I, I do think it's true that there are not enough mainstream big family comedies at Mm. the moment. I do think that's a problem. And the one thing that, you know, you asked me about, you know, being surprised when I started in commissioning, the one thing that really surprised me was the lack of pitches that we got for BBC One. Mm. And when I started, my my sort of internal mission statement was, I really want to do like a modern family. I want to find something that is, and I don't mean by that, you know, a family, I mean something that is both uh, modern and... Family and family, <laughs> but 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 big and accessible and loved, yeah, yeah. and spent a long time trying to work up, um, you know, different scripts, and never never really found the thing that worked. Everyone was pitching at BBC Two. Like 90% of pitchers come in for BBC Two. But
1: were they actually saying, this is a yeah. we want this on BBC Two? Yeah. Because I've tried writing for BBC One, as you know. Yeah. And I found that, what, what in maybe naively and stupidly, I thought, yeah, see, what all you need to do is sort of get one under the radar. And, you know, I think of like, even Only Fools and Horses, which is obviously a behemoth yeah. show. And everyone thinks of it as a mainstream show, but there were some pretty edgy storylines in that there were the character i mean del boy did some really horrible things that we all know he loved him at the end of the day and would die for him but he also did some pretty i mean he was a guy that basically ripped people off for a living yeah you know that's like if you pitch that now people for b for bbc one or for a mainstream will you be i I get a lot of people i don't
2: agree again people say that but and people say oh you'd never do like Alf Garnett today, but you, if you've watched Catherine Tate Nan, you know on BBC One. Yeah, but that there's is such a layer monstrous. there because
1: she's like, it's Catherine's playing a woman so yeah. much older than her that we're sort of already we know it's not really an old woman, and yeah. I don't know if we're like bite like if an unknown got cast in a in a uh, a show where he's playing
2: someone. I mean, that I, was I, again. I, I mean, I, it's it's certainly my thinking in commissioning that never and I never thought. um oh, God, that character's too nasty for BBC One. Yeah. Or, and, and it's it's about whether it's funny enough. I think I think only, only Fools and Horses is a really good example because that's always cited as being the thing that, you know, the first series wasn't really great and it was nearly cancelled and it was just sort of saved at the last yeah. minute and has now gone on to become this huge, you know, probably the nation's number one sitcom uh, and i think a real problem of of the industry today is just that you know the nature of where we are and this is this is viewers as well as the the industry itself people don't give stuff a second chance there's so many channels there's so much choice about what Do to watch you, are
1: you talking about the Viewers or the commissioners? Everyone, everyone, everyone. Right.
2: I mean, you know, you know, I, am a, a viewer as well as someone yeah, yeah. that works in TV as a you. And you know, if you watch a comedy, right, and you don't like episode one, how often do you go back to oh, episode yeah. two? How quickly do you make your mind up after like ten minutes? So, so, if
1: and the, if you, and if you don't mind me adding, the irony is very often that will never even be the best episode that there was. So exactly, you've based it absolutely. on probably the
2: weakest episode. A- a- absolutely, but you don't care as a viewer because yeah. you've got so much other things you can watch. So. How how um, rare would it be for uh, to watch an entire first series of something that you don't really like, and then go back and give it a second chance? Yeah. Now, back when Only Fools and Horses came out, and there were four channels, you know, you were sort of forced to yeah. come back and watch it again because <laughs> there was nothing else to watch. Yeah. Is That's it... what my mum was like. You better watch this. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I think the weirdly though, there is a
1: trend in drama, especially the sort of American cable drama, of. Getting through the difficult first few episodes, you know, like with The Wire, it was famous. Everyone Dr- went, Well, wow, it's slow, and I don't know who everyone is, and it's a bit. Yeah. And
2: yet. Um, Drama is different. Drama is different. AA is you know, a show was we on HBO. So it's ca- so it, it's cable. It? With but, comedy. But- it's patience, but I think that I think it's also comedy is much more exposed. You know, drama, you get away with a bad drama. You know, the worst that can happen is not. it's just not you know, very dramatic.
1: Is, now you are going to get some feedback for <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drama's very hard, all yeah. you
2: drama producers. Yeah. No, but I, I genuinely think comedy, and I would say this because I'm in it, I think it's the hardest thing to get right, and when you get a, when you get, no one hates uh, a bad drama the way they hate a bad comedy. Mm. You know, the, the the vitriol that is thrown at a bad comedy, you're putting yourself out there. You're you're making a joke and you're asking people to laugh at it. And if it if people don't like it, it goes very spectacularly yeah. wrong. People,
1: there's a lot of hate. There's a lot when of when people hatred. don't find something funny. Yeah, which is weird because I'm everyone's walking down the road every day not finding things funny but yeah. they they only get really angry when they they've got a tv and twitter i know that combination and the
2: poor hatred that's thrown at certain people when all they try to do is, is make yeah. you laugh for a
1: bit i've felt it i have felt the hatred uh one thing i think is really in a really healthy state at the moment is uh female comedy i would say i think there's a lot
2: of good on all channels um uh, i agree to a degree i think it's there's not enough i, I think it's definitely getting better mm. and i think you know fleabag on at the moment uh which i love yeah oh, it's a brilliant show brilliant yeah. um i noticed I've you got... saying some stuff about
1: um the fact that all the reviews had mentioned how crude or rude or are you
2: going to bring my private facebook posts into this
1: discussion
2: yeah i was just about to say actually is i got quite annoyed recently because someone said Oh um, yeah, I spoke to someone at my office, and they they really hated it. They said, "Oh, it's just like you know, forty year old men writing what they think uh, you know a young woman would be like." Uh, and I that just really not because it was totally Cause obviously yeah. written by Phoebe and totally her vision. And if you know, I, I went and saw her uh, monologue in Edinburgh, and we really changed very little from there. Yeah. We obviously put a story on it, but she was absolutely allowed to to write what she wanted and create the character that she wanted. So I just think comments like that are really patronising towards people when they're they're trying to do their, their own thing. Look,
1: I mean, I've had people, um, I mean, I think the same thing was said about the show Vicious, where it was mm. like, oh, this is clearly written by a, straight guy who thinks this is what gay men are like and it's like well yeah. no actually it was written by a gay man and you know that, it, that it, it,
2: accusation gets thrown
1: about a lot and I don't I, I agree I had, it, I, had,
2: I had it on people just do nothing as well where um, front row someone on front row was saying oh it's um, it's clearly just some white middle class boys it's, it's chav bait blah yeah. blah blah and it's not you know they, they, those guys uh, you know live that world they, yeah, they, yeah. They're, they're basing it on their friends and their um, by the way their appearance on uh, Dragon's Den Oh, it was amazing, yeah. It's, was that a real setup? Oh, Oh, the, well, the dragons knew what, yeah. what was... knew they were coming in. But did they know that they were actors? Yeah, yeah, because oh. they loved the show. Sorry. Oh, I was there, that's broken I was there my that. heart. I can tell you a funny story about that, though, because originally it was going to... I don't know if you watch people just do nothing, but the character Chibuddy is always trying to sell peanut dust. Yeah. Um, so we, so the dragons, were, and the dragons loved it. And the original idea was that Jabari would come in and try and sell them peanut dust. And He then got cast in something else and couldn't be there. So it was the rest of the guys and just doing a generic selling themselves. But earlier that day, some guys had come in. And were genuinely pitching peanut dust at the dragons, and so they thought, "Ah, oh, this is part of the comedy sketch." No. So they were treating it like the comedy sketch, and these poor two guys actually pitching peanut dust. Did they invest in the peanut dust? I don't think they dust? did. I think they gave it pretty short shrift. What what is peanut dust? Peanut dust is in the pack. So in a packet of peanuts, yeah, the, stuff the little at the bit bottom. that's crumbled yeah. at the bottom. Okay. Yeah. So instead of throwing that away, yeah, why yeah. not get it all together and sell it? Do you it's remember a good space idea, Dan. What's space dust? Wait,
1: it, the crackly, poppy, sweet that you put. You were probably eating feta and olives when you were a child, <laughs> what, right? What
2: aspersions. <laughs> I know. But true. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so what are you excited about? Have you got stuff coming up at the moment that you're looking forward to? Yeah,
2: I do. Yeah? Um, stuff you can actually talk about? Possibly not. <laughs> 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 I don't I always try to remember in the situation what has actually been press released and what hasn't. Um I mean, Fleabag, Fleabag and Mum were, the, you know, the last two things that I that I commissioned that went out, and then there are a couple of things that I commissioned that I'm really excited about. Um, but what, one of which is getting made next year. One of which is shooting at the moment, actually, which has been released, which is Decline and Fall, which is an adaptation of one of my favourite books when I was growing up, the Evelyn Waugh novel, mm-hmm. which had never been adapted for TV before, and it's got. Jack Whitehall in the lead and uh, then okay. David Suchet, Douglas Hodge, um the... Eva Longoria. It's really wow. a really great cast and just been watching the assemblies actually literally just before it's I came here. It's a comedy? It's a comedy, yeah. yeah. It's a comic novel, They're really really fun. and Douglas okay. Hodge is, is incredibly funny. A... Um I mean they all are, but it's um so so fingers crossed that will be really good. <laughs> um and then there's there's um so as part of this sitcom season that's coming up in September. There are, I think, five or six new uh, pilots going on BBC Two Mm -hmm. uh, and some of which I was involved with and which are really, really funny. A whole mix of talent, uh, mix of different ideas, mix of tones. I think there's some really brilliant stuff in that
1: yeah well uh, how do we end on a positive note because um, I I can tell that you're buoyant still oh, and you still love comedy and
2: I, I, I love comedy I think we're making you know people are always bitter and always moaning about comedy I don't believe there was a golden age where where 90% of comedians weren't sitting around in the pub slagging off 40 towers <laughs> and slagging off you know porridge and all these things um, I genuinely think you know even you look back at all the stuff that's been on the last 10 years and the brilliant shows like the Office and in between Us and Peep Show and Gavin and Stacey in The Thick of It and all those great stuff. I don't believe people won't be looking back at this, some of the stuff that's gone on now and think... Christ wasn't there some some great stuff yeah. going on? So I, I actually I, I think I, I'm buoyed because I I'm really lucky and I'm I'm in a great job and I love my job and I love the, the people that I get to work with right, and great, I love, right. I, love <laughs> I do I, I just love I like, I genuinely love comedy and I think there's great I'm lucky enough to be able to watch something like Friday Night Dinner and think that really genuinely made me laugh out loud yeah. five or six times. Well, uh, Chris, it's been a pleasure talking to it's you. Been a pleasure and talking to you. You have
1: slightly made me feel. <laughs> Kind of worse. Uh, worse. Um, I am now going to go home and drink myself to to death. No, uh, you've made me feel kind of weirdly quite positive about good things. Uh, thanks, Chris. Um, thanks for coming in. It's a pleasure. So, thanks to James and Chris, and uh, to end uh, the show today, I've picked another song uh, with a the summer theme and also from the film Die Hard with a Vengeance. This is Loving Spoonful with Summer in the City.
0: This is a Fubar Radio podcast. Go to FubarRadio.com for more details.